Well, good morning. How are we doing today? I love it. I'll be honest. I am like, whoever made coffee this morning, Todd, I think I already told him, it is some potent stuff. Because I am like jazzed and wired and jittery. So uh, I was going to pray later, but let's just open up in prayer. I think that is an amazing idea right now. So uh, if you'll just join me, we're going to go to God in prayer and uh, just open up this service. So Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you just as we were able to sing praises to you. God, uh, we were able to say, holy, holy are you. Thank you just for being the God who loves us, who, who cares for us, who wants to be a part of our life. And so, God, I just pray that as we come before you now, as we gather together, God, may we hear your word be spoken. God, may it not just be a, a message of good feelings or anything like that, but God, may it point to you. May we see more and more of you today. And God, may you get all the glory. And so I just pray right now, speak through me and God, open up our hearts to hear your message proclaimed. We love you so much. We thank you for everything that you've done. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. So I don't know if you, you know about the holiday not coming up, but one that we just celebrated a couple weeks ago. And honestly, I really didn't know about this holiday until this year because it was kind of a, a big um, news story based on everything that is going on in our country right now. And so there's this holiday and it falls on June 19th and it's actually called Juneteenth. And that holiday uh, commemorates the freedom of slaves in America. It's the commemoration of the ending of slavery or the emancipation of slaves. That was June 19th, and it was actually in 1865 that the, the slaves in Texas received the news. They went to Galveston, some Union soldiers. They arrived in Galveston, and they shared the news with the slaves there. You are free that they had earned or received their freedom. They didn't really earn it. They were just receiving their freedom. But there's an interesting tidbit about this story. Because if you know your history, it wasn't June 19th, 1865, that the Emancipation Proclamation was signed by Abraham Lincoln. It was actually two years earlier that the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863. And so for two years, these slaves had been freed, but yet they were still in slavery because nobody had come to them to reveal to them, hey, you guys are actually set free. You no longer have to live in slavery. Slavery is no longer something that you live under. Instead, you have been set free. And I thought, man, that's kind of interesting. Because as you can see, we're going to start going through the book of Galatians and we're going to be talking about freedom. But yet I see just as those slaves had to live two more years in slavery, even though technically they had been set free. So many people in today's society, so many Christians and even non-Christians have been set free, but they're not living that way. 
They're still in slavery to sin. They're still in slavery to trying to achieve salvation or earn salvation. They are not walking in the freedom. But the thing is, freedom has been uh, given to them. Freedom has been set forth before them, but they need to walk in freedom now. They have not received And we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, that we are the ambassadors of freedom. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, it says this. Uh, It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so the thing is, just as those slaves back in 1865 needed somebody to come to them and say, hey, you have been set free. You are free. You're no longer slaves. So there are so many people, Christians and non-believers alike, who are still walking in slavery. And it's like, well, yeah, non-believers, they're slaves to sin. But we see so often that Christians are still slaves. That so many Christians need to be revealed to them that, hey, you're not a slave anymore. You have been set free. This is what Galatians was written for. So that Paul could tell this church in Galatia, hey, you're set free. You're no longer slaves. Christ died for this. The key verse of Galatians that I've been reading is Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Not so that you can fall back into slavery, but so that you can walk in freedom. And so we're going to be working through the next six weeks, going through Galatians and talking about this freedom that we have in Christ. And so we're going to start today, Galatians chapter 1. And so if you're capable, if you're able to stand, please join us as we stand and read the word of God. Galatians 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned to again to Damascus. 
Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Thank you. You may be seated. And so we see right away, Paul, he kind of opens this up and he says, hey, this is why I am writing to you. This is why I'm writing the book of Galatians or the letter of Galatians. And it's the letter to the church in Galatia. And he's saying it is to deliver you. And it's like, okay, so how do we know this, Paul? And he spends the rest of chapter one telling us, because this is not something I heard from John who told me or who learned it from Zebedee or whoever like that. Like it's not told me from another person. I learned it from God himself. I am an apostle. I have the authority to share this with you. He, he goes through to give us, this is my track record of how you can believe me. Because the things that I believe Paul is going to share with us is some very strong statements. Just kind of like maybe whenever those Union soldiers got over there and said, hey, you guys are free. It's like, yeah, how can we believe you? That sounds like great news, but how can I know that I'm free? Because I've really hoped to be free, but it hasn't happened yet. And just like so many people are like, man, I would love to be set free from this, but it hasn't happened yet. How can I know, Paul, that the things that you are saying are true? And Paul's like, because I'm an apostle, but I didn't learn it from any other man. I didn't even go consult any other person right away. I learned it from God. He revealed it to me. And this is the message that he has given me, that there is freedom in Christ. And I'll just be honest, every time I say the word freedom, I really want to say it like William Wallace off of Braveheart, just like freedom. Like, I think we all should be going around screaming it like that. If we truly believe that we are free, it's like, man, we are free. You can be set free. And Paul tells us that. He says, uh, not him, but it has been said that Galatians is pretty much the declaration of independence for the Christian life. That we can be set free from the bondage of slavery to sin. We can be set free from the bondage of slavery to other people's opinions of us. We can find freedom in Christ. Because he tells us right away, he gets straight to the point. He gives us a little introduction, and then he says, let me tell you what this is all about in Galatians 1.4. He says, Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so Paul, he's going to work his way through this letter, continuing to tell us, you have been set free. Some of the three most popular words in the book of Galatians are freedom, deliver, and slavery. Because we are being freed and delivered from a life of slavery. But again, I believe so many Christians are not truly walking in the freedom that we have in Christ. I believe we're walking around with maybe the wrong kind of perception about this kind of freedom. And there's three that I could think of, three wrong ways that Christians actually perceive freedom. And the first one that I think we see is, well, I've been set free, but I'm not going to walk in that freedom. 
I, I, you know, it's there just like the slaves. They had been set free, but it's like, you know, nope, I'm not going to walk in that freedom. I'm going to keep doing what I wanted to do. And we see Christ, he died to set the captives free, but many are unwilling to walk in that freedom. It's like so many times people share the gospel with others and it's like, nope, I don't want to hear that. Don't tell me that. Because honestly, yeah, something new is scary. Something new, there's a lot of times freedom is actually a pretty scary thing. It's like, oh boy, this big open world. I mean, just talk to any kid who is entering college and leaving the nest for the first time. And it's like, whoo, that is exciting. But at the same time, like, I'm going to go back and live in mom's uh, uh, basement for the next 15 years. Because that's what's comfortable. That's what I know. And that's not necessarily a knock on people who live in your mom's basement for another 15 years. I'm guilty of that. I mean, it was like, not because, anyways. <laughs> Whatever. But Romans 8:15 it tells us you did not receive the spirit of slavery so that you could fall back into fear. But instead, you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So it's not like, oh man, I, Christ died so that I can continue to live in fear and not walk in freedom, but Christ died so that we can say, Abba, Father, I belong to you. I need you. Let me run into your presence. Let me enter into your arms. So we have been set free, but I believe a lot of people are just not living in that freedom. Another wrong perception that I see is that people are set free, but it's like, well, I'm just going to keep falling back into that sin. Once a drunkard, always a drunkard. You know, it's the people who are labeled by their sin. They just can't happen to get past what they are defined as, whatever that is. They are always going to be this. They are always going to be that. Fill in the sin. We all know somebody like that. Because of our personalities and our sin nature, it's like they say that name and you don't think, oh, they're a child of God. You think, oh my goodness, do you know what they do all the time? Can you imagine that? Can you believe that? There's actually a, a report that Huffington posted or an article and it was called uh, Why Some Men Are More Comfortable in Prison Than Being Set Free. And this report said that two thirds of prisoners return back to prison in three years. And it's like, hey, I got set free, but honestly, I'm, I'm going to wind back here at some point, probably. And I feel like the same view is for Christians. Hey, yeah, I've been set free, but I'm going to keep coming over here and doing the same thing over and over and over. And really, I, uh, freedom seems like a nice thing, but I'm just going to keep being a slave to this over here. And it's kind of like Paul knows what this is like. Because in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 15, we have Paul have that little argument with himself. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. I totally understand that, Paul. He says, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. 
For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do not do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And it's like, Paul, I mean, every time I read that, I just try and read it as fast as I can because that's my head. It's like, man, why do I keep doing what I want to do? I don't know, but I keep doing it. I don't want to do this, but I keep, what's going on? And it's like, Paul, I totally understand what you are talking about. I get that. (laughs) Yeah, amen. It's like, man, I get that. I don't want to do this, but I do it. I want to do this, but I don't do it. And Paul finally says, wretched man that I am. But I think that's a misperception. A lot of times we read that, again, guilty as charged. Where it's like, I read that, oh man, I am never going to get over this. I'm just going to keep doing what I don't want to do. And I'm never going to get out of it. And I'm just going to keep going that way and keep going and keep going and keep going and on and on. And it's like, my word. So does that mean there's really no freedom? And then that kind of leads me to the third misperception that I see. Well, I've been set free, but I have to die in order to receive that. That freedom comes in the afterlife and Jesus died to give me eternal life, but not to help me out here and now. That really, I got freedom after death. I'm struggling until I get there. I'm just going to keep trying on my own. I'm going to push. And Paul later on addresses that in Galatians. He talks about, hey, you were set free, but now you're trying to continue to achieve it on your own. And he's like, no way. That is not the way it is. But let's look at what Paul says in Galatians 1, 4 again. He says, Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us after we die? No, he said to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is why Jesus came to set us free. And I don't believe that that's a, you have to struggle through life and then eventually you will achieve freedom. I think that is a, John 17, three, eternal life is this, that we may know God and him who he sent, Jesus Christ, that we get to live with Jesus now. We have the message of reconciliation, people. That means that we can be set free and we can find freedom in God through Christ. That it's not a constant, oh my goodness, but it's a constant, I am a child of God who loves me, who cares for me, who did everything in his power, which is everything needed to set me free. I believe this is the gospel. This is the gospel of salvation, that Jesus came to set captives free. We've been really hammering in lately that we are deserving of hell period. Nothing less. We are totally deserving of hell. We are slaves to sin with no way to free ourselves. There is nothing we can do to find freedom. The more we try and do good, the more we constantly fall short over and over again. It's like a fishing net or not even a fishing net. It's like a net of entanglement. I love if you've ever seen Pilgrim's Progress or re- read the book. Um, I don't remember what his name is, but it's about Christian, a man named Christian who is walking the Christian life, and it's all allegorical, but as he's walking, he gets entangled in a net. And he thinks, I have to get out of this. So the more he's trying to get out, he's struggling on his own more and more, and you know what happens? He gets more and more tangled up. It's like, man, that is so much what happens to our lives. 
It's like, boy, I'm really struggling with this. Well, I'm just going to try harder and harder. I'm going to rely on my own ability. I'm going to just do better next time. This is the last time, never again. And every time you feed a lion, he gets hungrier and hungrier. That's the lie of one more time. And so it's like, well, I'll just do better. I'll try harder. I'll be better. And it's like, no, we just get entangled more and more every time we rely on our own ability. But Jesus paid the price for us to set us free. And so that's actually, Jesus shares a parable where he he talks about an unforgiving servant. And he says, this is how much we owe God. But yet this is what God did for us. This is found in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. And it says, therefore, Jesus is talking, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience on me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him his debt. And so like talents, we don't really understand. 10,000 talents is the equivalency of billions and billions of dollars. One talent was 6,000 drachmas, which equaled 20 years of wages. So one talent is 20 years of wages. So if you do the math, which I was informed today, I'm horrible at math, but if you do the math, it's two, let me look so I don't say it wrong, 200,000 years of work. Can you imagine that being like, hey, Jesus, I'll pay you back for the sins that I've committed. And Jesus being like, yeah, you got to work 200,000 years That's like lifetimes and lifetimes. Like, I don't live long enough to pay that back. But we see what the master did. It is impossible for anybody to pay him back. It's even like, well, we'll sell his wife, we'll sell his kids, we'll sell his possessions. We still can't pay it back. So often Christians are like, well, Jesus, I'll just give more, and I'll do this, and I'll attend here, and I'll help here, and I'll do all this. And it's like, yeah, if you're doing that to pay me back, it's not going to measure up. But we see what God did with the master. The master forgives completely. He wiped the slate clean. He didn't tell him, hey, how much do you have? Oh, you got 500 talents? All right, that's fine. I'll take that. He didn't say, all right, we're going to set up a payment plan. So you're going to keep working for me until you pay it off. He said, all right, you're good. Slate is wiped clean. You are forgiven. You don't have to pay me back. You don't have to do anything. You're just forgiven. That is what God did for us. Where he said, hey, you don't have to do anything. It's forgiven. You're set free. Well, I really want to earn my freedom. It's been set. You are free. Well, I really feel like I need to pay you back, Jesus. No, it is not based on works so that no man can boast. It is based on the gift of God through Jesus. We are forgiven completely. You know what we have to do? When the prison doors open, we walk out. We receive that freedom. Because I believe the prison doors are set open for every person. Christ died for all, so that all who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I believe the prison doors are set open, but so many people are like, nope, I'm going to sit here. I like my 10 by 10 cell and my cold toilet and my lack of water and everything like that. I'm comfortable here. And it's like, but you've been set free. And it's like, no, I'm going to live in prison. That is not how it is. 
And so we are the servant. We are the ones that are unable to pay it back. But Christ said, hey, you are forgiven. But I don't believe it is just, hey, you are free from hell. I believe Jesus came to free us now. Not after I die, here and now. And it's found in the power of Christ. The problem is, is that we keep relying on our own abilities. We keep trying to get out of this net on our own and it gets tangled and gets tighter and tighter. We don't release ourselves to the power of Christ. We're told, uh, David Guzik, he said this about this passage. He said, the gospel delivers the believing sinner from the power of the present world system through the power of the indwelling Christ, just as certainly as it delivers them from the eternal judgment to come. I believe there is power in Jesus to free us from our slave to sin now. Jesus tells us in 1 John 4, 4, hey, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He is greater in us, but we have to rely on the indwelling power completely. It's like oxygen. Just as much as I rely on oxygen, that's how much I need to rely on Jesus, which means it's constantly. The minute I try not relying on Jesus, like I try not relying on oxygen, I pass out. It's like, well, I think I can go a day without oxygen. No, thank you. My lung capacity is really small. And it's like, man, my lung capacity without Jesus needs to be even smaller. I need to be constantly breathing in Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Um, I don't know what his name is. He's a, a popular speaker. But anyways, he made the comment in one of his books where he said, every breath we take, we should be telling ourselves, Abba, Father, I belong to you. And he was kind of like, man, if you're stressed, just start meditating on that. When you breathe in, Abba, Father, and when you breathe out, I belong to you. I am yours. I need you. I need you now. I need you now every breath. We need Jesus because there are far too many people suffocating in this world because they are holding their breath. There are so many Christians suffocating because they're like, well, I read my verse of the day today. That's good. And it's like, man, you're not really relying on the power of Christ in you. It's like I I woke up, pulled out my email, verse of the day. Yes, let's go. I'm ready to do battle. And it's like, no, just take one breath for the rest of the day. See how far that gets you. The same is for the Christian walk with Christ. We need him continually. But it's really an interesting concept. It's like, okay, so how do I rely on Christ? How do I, how do I do this? How do I just breathe in Jesus every day? And I would say, first off, we submit to him. We realize, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you so much. And it it becomes a gradual thing. Because eventually it's like, um, there were times where, and I've shared it before, uh, my mind is a scary place and it just starts going down this really deep, dark path. And it's like, how in the world am I thinking of this now? And without breathing in Jesus, I kept going deeper and darker and scarier. But the more that it's like, Jesus, I need you. Cast every thought captive to you. I'm going to dwell on you. I'm going to focus on you. Now it is a lot quicker. There's still the deep, dark paths, but boy, I don't dig so deep. It's like, Jesus, this is not glorifying to you. Jesus, this is not from you. I'm going to dwell on you. So we just start submitting to him. We start just breathing him in. 
And the weirdest thing, it, it, it's like a major oxymoron. The way to find freedom is to become a slave. But not a slave to sin, but a slave to Christ. So many people are like, well, I believe Jesus is Lord, but they're still like, I'm not going to submit to him. I'm not going to let his word be what is supreme in my life. And it's like, why is my life falling apart? Well, are you truly submitting to Jesus? Are you, have you truly given your life over to him? Or are you just kind of, hey, Jesus is a cool guy. I'll, you know, yeah, I read my verse of the day. Or is it like, are you walking with Jesus? Because then when struggles come and temptations come, they're going to come. But we know, hey, I need to rely on Jesus. Just like Christian. He was entangled in that net. And the more and more he fought, the more and more he got entangled. And he finally realized, hey, the one thing I have to do is just lay here. Because then God sent help to him. And he was able to be set free because he sent his helper. We have that helper in us. We just have to stop fighting him and submit to him. Give our lives over to him. Because Paul, he told us that striving gets us really nowhere compared to Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and through 11, Paul said, Hey, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He said, Indeed, I counted everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so Paul's like, hey man, I strived. I mean, I tried to earn God's favor and it did not work. Because once I found out what freedom in Christ is like, man, anything I gained, I was a Jew, I was a tribe of Benjamin, I was a zealot, I was all these things that I was achieving to, to, to get, they are all lost. He says multiple times in those four verses, it's loss, it's garbage, it's rubbish, it is nothing to me because of knowing Christ and the power of his cross. And so we are a slave when we're constantly striving for the next thing or striving to earn God's favor because constantly it's going to be like, hey, did I do enough? Did I help enough? Is this enough? God, do you love me now? Do, am, am I, that's the, a big problem. I mean, there's so many problems with uh, Muslimism. That's not the correct word. Uh, Islam, thank you, whoever said that. Peterism, that's what Muslimism is. But uh, anyways, it's just like, man, they're like, hey, I have to keep striving to earn Allah's favor. I have to do this to earn Allah's favor. That is the difference with Christianity, Christianity other than Christianity is true. But it's that, hey, God gives us his favor first. He says, hey, I want the right relationship with you before you can do anything I have set you free. Not that you've earned your freedom. I have given it to you. I have set you free. It is for you. John 10.10 10 tells us, hey, the thief is going to come to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is going to try and be like, hey, nope, that's not good enough. 
Keep striving. God doesn't truly love you. You have to do something because I've heard it said that Satan is going to call you by your sin. Satan's going to call you by whatever the last sin that you committed is because that's what we tell ourselves all the time. Man, I am just a liar. I'm just a cheat. I'm just an adulterer. I'm just a murderer. I'm just a hater. I'm whatever. Satan's going to be like, these are the things that you are. Jesus is going to be like, hey, you're my child. You have been set free from that. It's no longer your own righteousness. It's my righteousness put on you. John 8, 36 tells us, hey, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free. Well, here's the thing. Jesus has set you free. He's paid the price. Are we walking in that freedom? Because Satan's going to try and draw us back into prison. Uh, Misconception number two is that, well, I've been set free, but I got to keep coming back to slavery. And he's going to be like, hey, man, you're falling back. You're you're this, you're that, whatever it is. He's going to draw you back to your past. He's going to draw you to your present sins. He's going to make you think you got to work harder for God's favor. But rather, God gave us his favor before we could do a single thing to earn it. Romans 5, 6 through 11 One of my favorite passages, for while we were still weak, while we were still enslaved, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Jesus gave it all at the beginning so that we could be set free. That's how Paul kind of opened up this letter and he opens up pretty much every letter that he writes. He opens up by saying grace to you in Galatians 1, 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You think Paul knows what it is to have grace? Paul is the grace Man, I mean, like the recipient of grace. He knows above a lot of people what it is to receive grace. And yet he tells us in Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, so stop trying to earn it. It is the gift of God. His past, when you look at what Paul did. Paul, if he were in today's society, pre-Jesus, rocking his world and bringing him to him, Paul would be pounding at our doors, coming in here, trying to haul us all away and kill us in the name of God. He would be thinking, you Christians are blaspheming God. You're, you're doing the wrong thing. You deserve to die. I'm going to persecute you. And yet... The very thing that he was doing to God, God said, I want to pull you out of that and bring you into relationship with me. There are a hundred times in the New Testament that Paul uses the word grace in his letters. Every other author in the New Testament combined used it 55 times. Paul knows what it is to receive grace. And so he wants to talk about it. He is passionate about it. As much as we want to scream freedom, he wants to scream it's through grace. You can't earn it. 
Jesus has given it to you. So much so that Paul is able to confidently write Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. That's probably one of my second favorite verses in the Bible, where God has done what the law, what I could not do. He set us free by sending Jesus to be sin for me so that I could walk in freedom. So that when I stand before God, I will be declared righteous, but it's not because of one single thing that I've done, but solely because of the work that Christ has done for me. And this is the same grace that Jesus offers every single person today. Galatians 1, 4 again. He gave himself for your sins, for my sin, to deliver us from the present evil age. So Paul knows what it's like to have this battle. He knows what it's like to be man. What a wretched man I am. Romans 7, 24, he says that. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, probably my second favorite verse in the Bible, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ is through the work that he did. So I believe there are still even people in this room who are thinking, well, I'm just going to earn it. No, you never will. Freedom has been offered to you to deliver you from this present evil age. And it's found through Christ Jesus. He has set you free. The prison doors are open. It is up to you to walk through. He gives you that choice. He says, walk through I've opened it. He tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight. he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus offers that invitation, and that's the exact same invitation that we try to end our messages with. That if you are still walking in slavery, Jesus says, come. Come find freedom in me. Come, all who are labor, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And so that's the invitation we offer today. For you to come and receive Jesus. And it's like, well, can't I just do that in my heart right now? Yes, you can. But when you come forward, look, look around you. Just do it. I know everybody's like, I grew up where we look straight forward. No, take a look around you. These are fellow believers who, when you walk forward, they're like, hey, I want to walk through life with you. Because trials and temptations are going to come and you're going to start questioning it. So when you make that public statement, man, we are there to help. We are there to walk with you through this. And so if you have a decision to make, I encourage you, come forward. Not to me, 
but to Jesus. And we want to walk through life with you, pointing you to Jesus, helping you find freedom in Christ from whatever it is. So if you need prayer, I encourage you, come. If you have a decision that you want to make, Jesus says, come. If you need help with something, come. And we will help you with that. Father God, you are so good. And we thank you just for the gospel of salvation that we have been set free. But God, you have also entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. The message that says you don't hate people, but God, you have done everything to set them free. So God, I pray that if there be anybody here who is walking in slavery, even if they've given their life over to you, God, we still fall back into lives of slavery. So may we have the courage to live authentically and confess our sins and share our burdens so that we can find healing and we can pray for one another and walk through life with one another. God, I trust that you are at work in the hearts of people. And so whatever you are laying on their heart, just give them the courage to respond. And God, may it all be for your glory. And so as we sing this song, as we prepare our hearts to remember the sacrifice that you made through your, your, your giving of your blood and your body, God, may we reflect on what it is that you are doing in us. And God, if there is a response to be made, give us the courage to make that response. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray this. If you'll stand with us as we sing this.